what's she doing now? That's my little, you know, I've, um, I'm so looking forward to tonight. I'm already enjoying myself. Everybody enjoying themselves? I want to make sure I can see everybody. Can you all move, please? I need my people over here. Just so I can see you. I need, just need, I'd like everybody in my eyes for you. You know, I, um, I hadn't preached a single message that I brought this weekend, but I, I think I feel, I feel the pleasure of the Lord with what I've shared. And that's all that really matters to me. And um, I was telling Patrice this afternoon, I said, um, I, I, I don't want to teach tonight. I want to have a fireside chat. So um, that's what I'm doing. This is what it looks like to have a fireside chat. If I had a big leather sofa, I would be up here and I'd take my shoes off. But, you know, this is what we're going to do tonight. You know, one of the things that's, I think, so important right now is, you know, God's working on our foundations. Is that true? Because just like our sister just danced to the music, um, we've got to stand on truth in ways we've never had to stand before in the coming days. And um, I'm, I'm not a prophet of doom by any amount of means. In fact, I'm a, I'm a the glass is half full kind of gal. However, I do know that the Lord is preparing you now, preparing us now for what he's prepared for us. Amen. And that, that means, certainly that means some challenging times, that, but that also means blessings. We have to be prepared for God's blessings just as much as we have to do for, for maybe difficult times. And... Uh, And one of the things that he does is he works at a foundational level in our lives so that we can make sure that we can truly stand on faith. And uh, if anything is going to be challenged in our lifetime, in the lifetime of our children, much less the lifetime of our children's children, it's going to be what we believe. And we're going to have to have more than head knowledge to make it. Because in our society, we think we have it if we know it because we're a very Greek-oriented society. But in the kingdom, strength and boldness and tenacity comes from revelation, not knowledge. Okay? So just a couple of the tricks of the trade that I do, that when I'm sitting under teaching, under whoever, and um, someone begins to talk about a subject that I know a little something about, I make sure that... um, I make sure that I don't say in my heart, one of the first tendencies of our heart is to say, I've heard that before. Is that right? So one of the things that I do is I make sure that I say, Lord, show me something I've never seen before. See the difference? So we need to make sure that we keep ourselves in a posture in our inner hearts, in our hearts uh, of being a disciple, of being a learner. And, and God will challenge us in that. In fact, he'll send somebody that we don't like their style and speak through them. Isn't that just terrible? He'll send somebody that um, we normally don't have ears to hear and it'll be the very word we have to hear that day. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So, um, you know, I'm, um, let me find out what we're doing tonight. Um, that's all right. You know, one of the things I think um, that we're going to do tonight is I want to look at something foundational, and it's probably something you've, maybe something you've seen or heard before, but maybe not from this angle. Um, you know, I want to talk about the blood tonight. 
And I'd like for you to just, by choosing in your heart, before I even get started, to just, you don't have to say it out loud. You can if you want to. I don't really care. Um, Tell the Lord, I want to hear something I've never heard before. Because I believe in the body of Christ today, there's some foundational revelation that the Lord needs to build on in my life and in your life so that I can stand victorious in the coming days, that I can reflect the victory of the cross in the coming days. That's basically by revelation. Let me say this about revelation. You cannot get revelation. If you get it, it's probably knowledge. Revelation is given by the Spirit. And revelation changes me in a way that knowledge does not. Knowledge can empower me, but revelation transforms me. And one of the things that we do in the Western church in America is we stop at knowledge and we say we've got it and we don't experience transformation. So the Lord is calling us into the process. Have you heard me say that word a couple times this weekend? The Lord is calling us into a process of transformation to get beyond knowledge and get in a posture. In a, you know, I can help people get into a position of receiving revelation. I cannot give you revelation. That's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit's job, one of the, one of the, one of the things that the Holy Spirit, one of the primary things that the Holy Spirit does is he helps you get it. And he helps me get it. If you've gotten it, it's been by the Spirit. You might not have recognized it. But he's the one that helps you get it. He's the one that connects the dots. Do you see what I'm saying? And so we want to go beyond knowledge. And one of the things that I'm I'm concerned about in the Western church is the fact that we have a, a great deal of biblical knowledge and we've said in our hearts that that's enough. We don't even know we've said that. But we've stopped because when I, when I bring up a subject uh, in your heart, you might say, and I, and I do this, I'm very aware when I do this because I'm, I'm training myself not to do this. When a subject comes up, I'll say, well, I know that. Do you ever do that or is that just me? Am I just telling them on myself tonight? I just welcomed you into my living room so you can talk to me. So one of the things we want to do in the coming days is we want, to, we, want to, we want to be realistic where we are. And we want to say, you know, God, I, I, I understand that with my head, but that has not touched my life. For example, how many of us know that God loves us? Let me see your hands. How many of us live loved? That's good. She said she's trying. But so when God's love hits our hearts, we live loved. We don't know he loves us. We live loved. So then when you don't receive me, I'm still loved. So that's the power of revelation. See the difference in knowledge and revelation? Knowledge lets you know something. Revelation transforms you. It's, it's what impacts your life. So tonight what I want to do is I want to take a look at the blood and I've asked the Lord to impart revelation that we don't have because I believe it's missing. There's some missing elements of revelation in our foundation 
that we need, need not only for our tomorrow, we need for our today. Is that all right tonight? You know, and I think this is foundational. I never get upset with the Lord, and I never feel condemned with the Lord, and I never feel immature, I never feel inadequate when the Lord goes back and revisits something that he's been teaching me in my past because there's always more. So when he goes back and teaches me something, I don't put up a wall and say, we've done this before. Because just like the message that I've preached on don't rebuke the ram, revelation is progressive in every area. Can I tell you, you don't know everything there is to know. You, you don't experience, you don't live out of the fullness of the revelation of your salvation. Like I could, I could spend an hour tonight and I'd, I'd love to do it on a whiteboard and talk to you about probably elements of your salvation that maybe you're not living out of. Remember today when I talked about the cross and how easily, you know, it's pretty easy for us to get our sins forgiven because we've heard the gospel of salvation. But if I begin to talk about the gospel of the kingdom more and more, it would impact you in ways that the gospel of salvation doesn't impact you. What would take you deeper into revelational waters about your own salvation. Isn't that cool? So it's never ending. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how not to be hungry. I don't know how. I, I don't know what happened to me. You know, maybe it was the losing of the demons or, I, you know, I don't know. It's amazing. But, you know, when I'm, when I'm not hungry, I stop until I'm hungry because he'll feed the hungry. He'll give water to the thirsty. I, don't, I always want to be hungry. Don't ever be satisfied with the Lord. Does anybody know what I'm saying tonight? So, you know... Um, Last year, I was staying with some friends here in Dallas. I, w- I hadn't moved back yet. No, had I mo- no, I had not moved back yet. And um, the home that I was staying in, I was actually going to go meet, actually, Patrice for lunch. And um, I had a little bit of time, so I was about to jump up on the bed and just check some email. And I thought, no, I'll just go wait in her office, and then we'll, we'll take off for lunch. And um, so I packed my laptop, got in my rental car, and uh, drove to Patrice's office. And in, in about 30 minutes... Um, the, the maid called me in frantic saying, where are you, Mary, where are you? And I'm like, I'm at lunch with Patrice. She said, the house has burned to the ground. So within a 30-minute period, lightning had struck the house, hit a gas line right above the bedroom where I stay, and pretty much the house had burned to the ground. It was an eight fire engine fire. And uh, I had left 30 minutes before that happened, and the gas line that it hit was right above my bedroom. And so the house was burned to the ground. The only thing that was really saved in the home, there were a few things that the, the, the woman of uh, my friend saved, but primarily from the house, the only thing that was saved was the foundation. The footprint of the home. You know, a revelation about the blood is part of your foundation. And it needs to be shored up in this hour and strengthened Because, you know, fire and wind will come. You know, it's not a matter if a storm's going to come. Let me tell you, storms will come. I don't really care about storms if my foundation's secure. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So I'm not fearful of the future, uh, but I am diligent to begin to attend to what God wants me to attend to. And I really believe, you heard me say this this afternoon, I believe that us really understanding the cross what happened there will, will change me on the inside so that I respond and have a different perspective to say some things that are happening on the outside. You heard me speak today 
about when you know that God is not judging the earth today, how many of you respond differently to natural disasters? You, you might not believe, believe me when I say that. You might believe that Katrina was God's judgment. That's okay. You can believe that. I, just, I don't. I don't believe God is judging the earth today. I believe there will be a day of judgment, but this is not that day. I believe that Jesus took the judgment of this dispensation of time upon him on the cross. How many of you know that changes your perspective when you watch the news or when you get an email from 49,000 prayer movements that say God just judged New Orleans? Am I helping anybody tonight? So, you know, I believe that this is really a time of transition internally when it comes to revelation. And so when God shows you additional revelation, don't ever feel condemned. Remember, God doesn't do condemnation. God doesn't do guilt. And God doesn't do shame. So don't do it either. I've just decided not to do those. And when somebody tries to put condemnation on me, I know that it's, it's not an outfit that fits me. You know? I think I told this story last year about my purpose-driven shopper, didn't I? I'm a purpose-driven shopper. You know, and I take friends with me, and, and you know, I, I just don't understand stores who the blouses are over here and the pants are over here, and it's like, oh, that's so overwhelming to me. So I just, I just don't deal with any of that. I bring my friends. I go to the dressing room and wait. They go get, and I try on. It's great. And you cannot have their names or their numbers. And so I, I go, and I wait, and, and they bring, and I try on. And I come out and I say, they vote. I mean, it's really, it's a corporate affair. And, and I'll never forget one time a, a friend of mine, you know, put, put a blouse in the, in the dressing room and it was like a, a pink boa thing and it had this stuff on it. And I'm like, so she puts it in the dressing room and I'm like, oh, Vivian, that is so not me. And she's totally sanguine. And you know, sanguines, they're like a party in a bottle. And so she, she and my friends were outside, and they were giggling and giggling. And so she left to go really do her job, which it was about time. And, um, and the Lord spoke to me. And he said, Mary, you do that all the time. You let other people put things on you that aren't you at all. So I don't put condemnation on me anymore because God doesn't put it on me. If it doesn't come from my father, then I don't want it. So remember what we said earlier today? It's time to resist some things we have been embracing. Some of you guys have been just embracing condemnation when it comes your way because you think it's, it, you think it's yours. You know, I, I'm, um, my friend Patrice is a Christian counselor, and I would never make a Christian counselor because this is what I would do. I would have a drive-by Christian counseling office, and this is what it would look like. You would drive by, and you would drive up, and you would say, oh, I don't love my husband. And I'd look at you and I'd say, love him. That'll be $15. And the next car would come up. And she'd say, you know, I hate my father. And I'd say, love him. That'd be $15. So stop it. In the love of God. Stop. Receiving that condemnation, whoever's given it to you, it's not yours. You don't have to have it, okay? So I really think that this is a time of transition and the Lord working at a foundational level for your future. 
not only for your future. How many of you know everything that God's doing for you is for not only you, but for your sphere of influence, whether that be your family, your business, um, whatever that is, it's for your whole future, your whole destiny, if you will. And I think it's a time of God visiting things like this, uh, like the revelation of the blood, so that you can be a stronger and more clear and have progressive revelation for some things that are coming. You know, God has an amazing future. You know, um, I've said this this weekend. Jeremiah 29, 11 is never not true. Isn't that good? I think I should develop little magnets so that Jeremiah 29, 11 is never not true. Wouldn't that be good? You know, um, and so one of the aspects of your foundation, let me start here, is and we've talked a little bit about that this weekend, is that how I think, I think one of the most important aspects of your foundation is how you see the Lord. And sometimes how you, see, how you think you see him is not how you really see him because you're stuck at head knowledge. You, th- you think you see God as a loving God, but you live as someone as if God's a judge. And there's a... There's a um, there's a disconnect in the way you're living your life, what you think you know, and how you live your life. Can I tell you that the, the, the Holy Spirit will show you that because he wants to shift your head knowledge into, re, into revelation so that you can live loved. Okay? And so that would be a good question of reflection. Lord, how do I see you? You think you know how you see God, but you really might not. You might be disconnected in what reality is for you. Somebody should be writing that down. So ask the Lord, Lord, how do I see you? How do I really relate to you? Do you go around on pins and needles looking for the next, um, you know, uh, the next landmine to explode and, and him to show you what you've done wrong? Remember, we've talked about that. That's being sin conscious. God is not sin conscious. He's righteousness conscious. He's not an evangelical. I'm an evangelical. I can say that. He's not. He just doesn't look at life that way. You know, and um, so it's important to understand how we, how, how, we, how we really see God and then asking God to give us revelation of who he really is. Is anybody with me on that? So that's... That's one aspect that's important for your foundation. Another one is how you see yourself is so important for your future. Let me tell you, you'll probably never get the fullness of your identity from your circumstances. You'll probably never have the fullness from, from your family or from your friends. You'll probably never get the fullness. Now, God wants to speak through those circumstances as it should be. But there's got to be some vertical empowerment. Do you know what I'm saying when I say that? There's got to be some understanding of who you really are because I I don't know that uh, anyone is going to know us in our fullness but the Lord. But don't ever fall into the trap that all I need is the Lord because that's a lie of the enemy. I met somebody the other day, and she was trying to convince me how spiritual she was. And... um, and she was, she was expressing herself this way, which was, you know, just the Lord and I do this and the Lord and I. And, and you've heard me talk about this this weekend. You know, life is not just vertical. Life is vertical and horizontal. You're going to hear me talk about um, a great commandment here in just a minute, and I'll go on about that. But it's important to understand 
that God is visiting you, the Holy Spirit is visiting you in circumstances through the word, through worship, whatever way he's encou- you're encountering him, and he is determined to convince you how he sees you. And it's a journey of, of mine. I mean, personally, it's been the strangest um, sequence of events for my mother to die 14 months ago, and for me, out of that, to me, know who I am more with her dead. That makes no sense at all. Does it? Does it? Can you... Can you explain that to me? That makes no sense. But the Lord, just through his sovereignty, I mean, I am more me. Uh, I'll take a little bit of, I take risks all the time. Don't I seem different than last year? I mean, I don't know about you, but I know I'm different. Whether whether you're encountering that or not, it doesn't really matter to me because I live with me. I go with me everywhere I go. And I know God has been changing me. And some of it is I'm bringing more of me to the table in my inner. These are uh, some of my good friends here on the front row. I'm bringing more of me, the more of the real me to the table relationally now than I ever have in any of my personal relationships and in my public ministry because of the transformation God's doing in me. And let me tell you, I love it so much. I'm never going to stop because he who began a good work in me will complete it up until the day of Jesus Christ. So stay in there. Stay in the race. Keep allowing the Lord to go beyond knowledge to the place of transformation because, because God needs the real you on the earth. And the devil has marred us all. We, how, many, how many of them have marred themselves? I mean, I've taken some pretty dark black Sharpies and covered myself with black many times. I love the way Beth Moore says it. I think I originally heard this from her. She says, you know, um, you get in a pit one of three ways. I'll get up and do this. You, get, you know, I knew I couldn't sit the whole night. You know, you get in a pit one of three, three ways. You're going through life and somebody pushes you into a pit and you fall into a pit, right? Anybody been pushed into a pit? And you, you go in lot, you're going through life and all of a sudden you trip and you fall into a pit, right? Now, I don't know if any of y'all are like me, but sometimes I've been in front of a pit I've looked around, I go, "Ah, a pit. (laughs) And I jumped myself right in. So, you know, and those have, you know, the main thing is just don't be a pit dweller. Come on out. All of us have been in there. Just come on out. Don't don't try to rearrange the furniture. (laughs) Just come out. (laughs) And so, you know, and I've I've experienced pit, pit life all three ways. But I know that the Lord is, is convincing me who I really am. And it's changing who I am and it's changing how I interact in my inner circle and in my public ministry. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So who you are is incredibly important as a foundation, as the footprint of your life. And then let me say this. Okay, we talked about how you see God and how you see yourself. That is the key on how you interact with other people. Sometimes we just want to be nicer, right? We want to move more in the fruit of the Spirit. And that's okay. That's a good way to begin to move in more Christ-likeness and, you know, move, living out of your divine design. But the core of it not being a work is seeking the Lord and asking the Lord for revelation of who you are, God. How have I attributed attributed character to you that's not really you hello and how do I 
how do I see myself in a way that's different than you see me? You get those two things cleared up, and man, just how I respond to you is totally different. This was amazing. This just happened not too long ago since I've moved back to Dallas, so it's been within six weeks. I was at Sally's. Anybody go a Sally girl? Y'all don't have Sally's in Granbury? Do I need to open a franchise? What's the problem around here? I see a marketing opportunity. So I went into Sally's is a beauty supply store. Sorry, 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 sorry. I just assumed. Um, So I go into Sally's, and I don't know about you guys, but relationally in public, I'm kind of like this. I want to move in the fruits of the Spirit. I want to be nice. I want to be kind. I want to be a generous tipper for my waiters and waitresses. And I don't have to pray for everybody because let me tell you, they want cash. Yeah. <laughs> you know, occasionally when the, when the Lord moves on me, I will, but I, I don't do that as a pattern, okay? I'm just telling you me because it's my living room. And so, so I'm a, I was in Sally's not too long ago and this, this woman was checking. And norm, my normal is this, be nice. Oh, have y'all been busy today? Um, it, can you believe how hot it is? Aren't you really ready for a weather? Ch- I mean, you know, you're kind, you're, you're, you're patient. They run out of tape. You're okay with that. You know, you, you move in the fruits of the spirit. How many of you know that's a good thing? Okay. How many of you know there's deeper waters? Well, I'm just learning about these deeper waters. So here I'm at Sally's and like, so she's tattooed out. And so I'm looking at her, her right arm and it's, I'm fascinated. And all of a sudden, I look at her arm and I go, I look at her eyes. I look at her and I said, that is an amazing red. Like, did you pick that red color out? I mean, is that like an unusual red? I mean, I've never seen that red. But I mean, and this is so natural. I mean, it's just, I'm not even thinking. Do you do stuff and not think? And I'm like, I'm like that is, in fact, that's really, did that hurt? I mean, I've, I don't really have a tattoo. I'm not against tattoo, but I mean, does, I mean, that's so intricate. Did that? I mean, I'm like so in her world, and I'm just like so into her. I mean, I'm just like I'm so in sincerely interested. So you know, I get my back comb, which didn't work tonight, and I, and I get in the car. And you all, this was so cool. I sit in my car. I'm starting my car, and all of a sudden, the hands of the Lord come on my shoulders like this. the hands of the Lord just pat me. And this is what he said to me. He said, I would have interacted with her the very same way. I didn't even know what I was doing. At that moment, I got a taste of a me that's yet to come on a more consistent basis. I'm good at choosing to move in the fruit of the spirit. Love that. I love to enact my will. I love those choices. Do you know what I'm saying? Let me tell you, I can still be crabby. Don't get me wrong. But I I know how to use my will. But, oh, my gosh, can you imagine the way Jesus really was? Like, he he was that way. Isn't that great? I mean, I just think that's amazing. That was so life to me. And I... That's the way it is for me in transformation. I'll get a glimpse, like the comfort story I told today. Or today, That was many years ago. Like I'm constantly aware of God's comfort. Like thank you for the hospitality this weekend. Patrice and I had two gift bags in our, in our uh, room, and that I, I, found, <clears throat> I found comfort in those bags. 
I mean, because one of my past woundednesses, wounded, wounds, woundednesses, <laughs> was, um, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute, about the blood, was not feeling like I belonged and not feeling welcomed. I mean, I walked into the hotel room yes, uh, a year ago yesterday. Have I been with you all a year? I mean that in a good way. I walked into the hotel room, and, and I could see it on Patrice's face too. There was a bag for myself and a bag for Patrice, and we both had notes and our, our names on it. And I allowed, hear me, I allowed the Lord to use that to minister to me. Mary, you are welcome in this place. I've moved in great freedom since being with you all this weekend. And because, because there was, I allowed, I allowed myself to be welcomed. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we put our own limitations on ourselves because we don't recognize the Lord in sometimes the smallest of things. Is that helpful? So it has nothing to do with where we're going. So foundationally, it's important how you see God, how you see yourself. Those are important foundations. And let me say this. In, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. And I like to say it this way. You are loving your neighbor as you love yourself. That's why it's important to love yourself. In a very godly way, it's, it's important to love yourself. I've talked about that this weekend because you are going to relate to your neighbor the way you relate to yourself. You, you are currently loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And how many of you know you can dress it up and take it out? You can dress it up and you can act patient and kind and on the inside be steamy and impatient and um, critical, more than likely, if you're that with other people, you're being that way with yourself. And that's why it's important to see yourself as God sees you. Because the minute you see yourself as God sees you, you love yourself in an appropriate way, you receive yourself, and then you don't have to work at, is anybody tired of maintaining and working stuff out in your will? I'd rather just be. Is anybody, and let me tell you, Using your will is a good place to move into, but that's not the ending place. The ending result is transformation, not maintenance in your will. Does it, am I clear on that? Does that make sense? So, but tonight I want to focus on, I just want to lay, I wanted to just make those few statements on that this is a foundational time. Don't ever, don't ever feel like you're wasting time going back and looking at what could seem elementary in your Christian walk who God is, who you are. Do you see what I'm saying? So another, what might be considered elemental foundation is really where I want to spend my time tonight is on the blood. You know, um, so let me ask you a question. What does the blood of Jesus mean to you? What is the blood? What is the blood? Talk to me. Healing, cleansing, life. Redemption, protection, restoration, covenant. Interesting, nobody said uh, forgiveness. Oh, I did. Okay, good. Ten points for the I did. Good girl. You know, um, we, we do know that the blood means our sins are, can be forgiven, right? Ephesians 1.7. I'm going to actually quote some scripture this weekend so we can be biblical this weekend. Ephesians 1.7 it says, in him we have redemption, I love that word, through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. 
But my question is, do we truly value the blood the way God does? Do we? Let me ask you a question. Do you value the blood to completely forgive your sins? Or do you ask for forgiveness and then try to work it out? Come on, talk to me. Probably both, okay. So really, sometimes we repent and we ask for forgiveness, but then we we want to kind of be good enough for long enough to then really let us ourselves off the hook. Is that not right? But we need to begin to value the blood as instantaneous. Think about this. I love what Corey Tim Boom used to say. Do you know Corey Tim Boom? Um, I've got a book of hers on the, she's with the Lord, but it's called The Hiding Place. And if you've never seen that movie, get it at, at, with, you know, Netflix or something like that. Anyway, uh, it's not a popcorn movie. And, um, but she used to say, you know, our sins are put in the sea of forgetfulness and God puts a sign up, no fishing. But what we do is we, many of us, ask for forgiveness. And then if we, we feel like we have to keep some standard of living long enough, depending on the degree of sin that we think we've done, and then we let ourselves off the hook. Like a point system. So I, I'm, one of the things that's important to understand is the minute that you repent the blood instantly cleanses you to the point as if you never committed the sin. So can you see where condemnation and guilt and shame come in? A lack of revelation. Because we're not valuing the blood the way the Lord does. And we do that to other people. So when, you know, Patrice falls short of the mark... If, if I don't really have a revelation of the blood, I might have my relationship with her might have taken on a pattern that if I, you know, I caught her in a lie, which she would never do. She's like Nathaniel. She's without guile. But if I caught her in a lie, then I might relate to her in a reserved way until I felt like she was good enough, long enough to where then I could again fully accept her. Does anybody see what I'm talking about? So if I don't understand how God forgives me, I... I almost automatically interact with other people in that same way. And that hinders our relationships. And we're not representing the Lord or the kingdom. Does anybody see what I'm saying? So basically what we're trying to do is work for our forgiveness. So one of the things I've done is I've meditated. Um, I did this when I was incarcerated. How many of you know by the time you end up in prison, you've done a few things wrong? And by the way, some of y'all look familiar. Oh, sorry. Uh, um, so by the time I, I got to prison, I had pretty much stacked up sin and bad living and bad choices, so forth and so on. So when I got a revelation of the blood, I've, I think I've got a few of the small booklets called The Blood of the Covenant. I'm currently rewriting that. But um, I got such a revelation that the minute I repented, it was literally, it was as if I had never committed the sin. It was amazing. So that was part of my freedom. It's amazing how you can be set free before you're set free. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, there's, there were still some consequences for my sin, but my Lord, the minute I began to set, get set free on the inside and experience life on the inside of a prison, 
let me tell you that the outward difficulties, and it was very difficult, don't get me wrong, um, the outward difficulties had less power over me because I began to experience liberty and life on the inside. Is anybody with me in the house tonight? So it's, it's powerful to meditate. And, and my favorite type of prayer is listening. Somebody asked me the other day, how often, you know, what, how do you pray? Do you bind the devil? Do you do this? And I'm like, most of the time my prayer is like this. That's my favorite prayer. That messes some of y'all up. You know, it's, it's the, and again, the reason I'm lingering a little bit on this, and I said this earlier today, the more we see what the, what the cross really is, the more we see who God is, the more we see who we are, it will absolutely change your prayer life. Why do you ask the Lord for a chair you're already sitting in? So a revelation of the value of the blood to totally forgive your sins is such a a powerful tool against, you've heard me say it before, condemnation, guilt, and shame. Some of us try so hard to get that stuff off of us when really if you will ask the Lord, Lord, I need a revelation of the power of the blood to forgive my sins. And it's amazing. I, I hate shame with everything that's on me. I know Rick Joyner many years ago wrote a, uh, an epic, uh, you know, from dreams and visions he had. And he saw shame as serpents in the end times that would come and sting the ankles of, of the believers. And they would be paralyzed and couldn't move forward into, uh, into the purposes of God in their, in their generation, in their lifetime. And they couldn't understand. And it was serpents of shame uh, stinging them on the ankles. I hated shame with everything that's on that, that was within me. I hate it with every fiber that's on me because I know, remember we talked about the cross today, I know I've got such a revelation of the cross in this area, not fullness, but I know. I mean, how can I sit before you tonight and go, I'm, I'm amazing? <laughs> how can I do that when I've been raped, when I've been strip searched, when my case has been on CNN News for for three and a half days and on and on and on, the devastation, ex-fiance, Mary, I could go on and on. How do I do that? Because all the, raped in college, all the elements and all the clothing of shame, I finally realized he wore them on the cross and he deliberately gave me honor. I mean, I don't really, I mean, I mean this very politely. I don't really care if you receive me. I am honored. Everywhere I go, I'm honored. Because I I live in the cross's reality, and if you come in agreement with that and treat me with honor, that's great. But I live in the truth of the cross for my own life so that how you treat me and how you receive me is, is it's it's a blessing. It's a huge, it's a, it's a wonderful joy when someone comes in agreement with the way I live my life. But if you don't come in agreement with the way I live my life, I'm okay. I'm letting you in my inner world tonight. This is how I live my life. And I had to because shame had such a stronghold on me. And the cross got it off. And so I... I, I and how, do you, how did you get saved? You think I'm tricking you. I'm not. Everybody's scared of me. How'd you get saved? Did you believe? You believed. You believe that Jesus died for you. 
One of the ways you get rid of shame is that you believe he took it so you don't have to have it. I really believe that when he died, he took something that I was, I was embracing. So little by little, I didn't happen overnight. I didn't go through a car wash and all of a sudden get better. But I, the, the church I attended when I first got out of prison was Sojourn Church over in Carrollton. And they had a cross in the foyer. And I would sit and I would stare at that cross. In fact, I, three weeks ago, I sent a young woman there and I said, listen, I want you to go 30 minutes. This was her homework assignment. I want you to go to church 30 minutes early and I want you to reflect on the cross and decide what he has and what you have you choose. You choose. You choose whether we embrace the shame that we don't have to have or whether we just receive honor. If you walk around living in the reality of the cross, you just walk around honored all the time. That's pretty powerful. That's good. So it's powerful to meditate that the blood has totally cleansed you from sin. And, um, you know, I, I will say this. I, I want to just list a couple of scriptures. We, we know that, that God is not, um, God is always going to require payment for sin. I love studying the Old Testament because it's a shadow of things to come. Um, I don't live in the Old Testament because it points, you know, the, the Old Testament really is, is a declaration of the need of a Savior, and then Jesus came, and the New Testament is the rights and inheritance that we have as New Covenant believers. And that's why it's so important not to see God as a judge or an employer um, because that produces a slave mentality in us. And we interact with life, relationships, work, God, worship, church, in a way that, that is not very fulfilling. That's why a lot of the church, and particularly in the West, I'm not picking on the West. There's other nations that are like us, but there's other nations that, that actually are more free in New Covenant living and because we're so Greek in our orientation. You know, this is about the only nation. I don't cover the planet, but between myself and a couple of my friends, we pretty much cover the globe. This is about the only nation where, you know, we have to convince people of uh, the spiritual realm and because that goes beyond our understanding. Hi, how are you? So, but God is God is going to require payment for sin. I mean, it, he talks about that in Hebrews nine thirteen through fourteen. It says, "For it, I'm going to read this: For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ?" who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience. I want to stop there for just a minute. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Let me tell you something, my friends. Some of us have our sins forgiven, but our consciousness has, has been contaminated. And that's where condemnation and guilt and shame have a Velcro effect. I'm here, I wanted to sit down with you guys tonight and let you know your conscience can be cleansed. Some of you are here tonight under the sound of my voice and you feel flawed. You feel defective. You feel because you participated in this or this was done to you or you've had this type of sin, you, you kind of feel forgiven but you don't feel cleansed. 
the blood of Jesus was shed for you to cleanse your consciousness. And I believe with every fiber of my being, the Holy Spirit wants to cleanse your consciousness tonight. So I'd like for you to close your eyes. I want to pray for you. Father, I'm asking tonight, Lord, just by the work of the Spirit, Father, any person under the sound of my voice that's felt flawed or defective, or Lord, there's been like a, like gorilla glue, Lord, where they felt stuck to their sin. They, if, if I asked them, Lord, every one of them would say, yes, I've repented and I'm forgiven, but Lord, they still smell of smoke. Father, I'm asking that, that there would be a spirit of revelation on the power of the blood to cleanse our very consciousness tonight, Lord. So Holy Spirit, only you can do this. I'm asking you to release a spirit of revelation so that our conscious, our intuitiveness would be cleansed from dead works, from the sin of our past. And Lord, that we would know that we are whole, that we've been liberated. And Lord, that the blood has absolutely restored us and repaired all damage that was done by sin. So, Lord, do it. Make a difference in our personality. Lord, and and those things that we've, it's, Lord, there's almost like emotions of being flawed or or being hidden, and and you you stuff them like a uh, trash compactor. Lord, I pray that the trash would be taken out tonight, and, Lord, that it wouldn't impact our emotions, wouldn't impact our mind. Lord, even some things that happened when we were seven. Lord, even things that happened in our childhood. Lord, that the, the, the power of the blood would so cleanse us, we could literally know that, that we are like clean, like white driven snow. Lord, do it for us in Jesus' name. Amen. And so that's, that's something that's real to me. Because my sin, my sins were so varied, and like I, th- I was teasing the other night with you guys, I said, you know, I I invented stuff to do, and I taught the world, you know. So I know the power of blood, and but it's by revelation; it's not by works. Only the Holy Spirit can do it. But I wanted to, I wanted to let you know that that's possible. Is that helpful to anybody tonight? So. You know, I love that word redemption. I just want to talk about that for just a minute. You know, that word redemption that um, is used in First Peter and some other things when you read scriptures about the blood. In the, I love the Greek language. I'm not a Greek scholar, but if you if you study when you study your Bible, if you could just go a step deeper than a concordance and you can look in the in the Greek in your lexicon. You know, the Greek language is a very pictorial language. They're very visual. And that word um, redemption in the Greek means a ransom paid in full, deliverance, and setting free. And really, in the, in the Greek, it paints a word picture of a conqueror coming in and setting all the prisoners free and totally released from the enemy's yoke. How many of you know that's a good thing? And I don't know about you, but I, I want to make sure that I'm aware of any yoke of the enemy because I know there's redemption available for that. So... What am I trying to say? When we accept the value of the blood, you know, I, I hate it. I hate those little foxes that spool the vine, don't you? And I think one of the foxes that spool the vine, or it has in the past in my life, is that kind of gnawing feeling that something's wrong with me. 
Does, and you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm defective in some way. And I think some of it has come, um, it came for many, many reasons. But as I begin to receive who I am from the Lord, remember my identity, and I receive the value of the blood to cleanse my consciousness, I don't really feel defective anymore. I don't really feel flawed anymore. Can I just tell you that's a miracle? And, and you can, trust me, because I, I did it for years, you can dress that up and take it out all day long and nobody will ever know. But you know. When you're really in your, when you, because you go with you everywhere you go. Can, can you know that you can't leave you? I've tried. Trust me in every way. And so th- the blood will take care of all that. Is that, does that, does that excite anybody but me? So um, let me just say it this way. You have a, you have a blood-bought right to live totally free from shame, guilt, and condemnation. In your mind, can you imagine 48 hours of not feeling defective, never feeling the impact of any shame, guilt, or condemnation at all? What would your life be like? Can I tell you, that's what God has for you? I think that's amazing. But, you know, um, let me just hit a pause and just do a little bit of more ministry. You know, let me just, I'll just jump in the deep end. Just, Just close your eyes for just a minute. If you feel like you've been working to receive full forgiveness and maybe you've repented for something, yet you're still trying to live good enough to where you feel good enough about yourself to let yourself off the hook, if you've been doing that, just raise your hand real quick and put it down. Okay, now everybody look at me. Stop it. And that'll be $15. (laughs) So don't do that anymore. You don't have to do that anymore. Say this after me. Say, Lord... I receive the value of the blood. I let myself off every hook. I receive full forgiveness. I don't have to do a thing. You've done it all. I receive your forgiveness. I forgive myself in Jesus' name. Wow. Isn't that good? Feel good? Some of y'all are thinking right now, it can't be that easy. Can I tell you, the gospel is good news. It's good news. It's not, it's not, it's not a, a way of working for a living. It's not Dolly Parton 9 to 5. It's Jesus bringing good news. Well, now I just want to go a little deeper with the blood. And I'll never forget when the Lord did this for me. I, I want to... I just want to present what the Lord has done for me, and I'm praying that he'll do it for you. I'll never forget when the Lord, because I'd, I'd been, I just took you on a journey of where I'd been on the blood, basically. You know, forgiveness of sin, um, who I was, working, blah, blah, blah. So I just took you on that journey. And my next kind of journey with the revelation of the blood came when one day the Lord just spoke to me, and he said, you know, sometimes the Lord will speak something to you, and it'll just explode in your in your heart. It's like... You know, you're reading the Bible and, um, you know, one little word or a line becomes like a billboard. You know, how does he do that? I think that's so cool. Well, he, he just spoke this to me. He said, Mary, you were bought with a price. 
And at the moment that he said that, I knew that was in the Bible somewhere. I'm terrible at addresses. I knew it was like in here somewhere on the right-hand side because, you know, you know about the right-hand side. You know, the left is the Old Testament, the right is the New Testament, and Jesus is in the middle. So it's on the right-hand side. You can get that later. So the minute that that the Lord spoke to me, you were bought with a price. I mean, it was like a light bulb went off. And... I saw something I'd never seen before. It's like, you know, the Holy Spirit, I love to say it this way, the Holy Spirit loves to connect dots. Now, the devil likes to do two things. He likes to prevent you from connecting dots, and he likes to connect the wrong dots. So I do, I do this a lot in prophetic mentoring when people are interpreting dreams, and you, you, you heard me talk about that this weekend. So the devil not only wants to stop you from connecting dots, having ahas. Do you have ahas? Aha. Ha-ha with me. Aha. Ah. You know, a light bulb goes off. Something jumps off. The devil not only wants to prevent that, he wants you to connect dots that aren't there. See how important it is to know the Lord? Because if you know that Jesus was totally judged on the cross, I'm not going to make a dot connection that I had a car accident and it was God judging me because I didn't give enough in the offering this weekend. Can I tell you we do that? But the devil, the, 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 at that moment when the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, Mary, you've been bought with a price, dots were connected. And all of a sudden, it was like uh, the next level of Legos was put on my, you know, I love, do y'all like Legos? My godsons love Legos, so I'm into Legos right now. So I want to go, has anybody been over to that Lego thing over at Grapevine Mills? There's like a Lego thing you have? I'll talk to you after the meeting. And so I just want to know if it's worth it. And so, um, so anyway, so like the next level of Lego thing just came, came for me, and I knew about my sin, but all of a sudden... I had this epiphany, this this realization that relationships were based on his blood. Now, let me go a little further. It says in Ephesians 2.13, it says, Now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, how many have felt far off? How many have ever felt like they don't belong? How many have ever felt like you'll never fit in? But this says, now in Christ Jesus, you... Turn to your neighbor and say, you, 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 you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And look what it says in Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. I'm going to read this. Blessings be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us. Anybody want to camp there for an hour? If you get the revelation that you're chosen vertically, when someone doesn't choose you horizontally, it loses power. But if your foundation of being chosen is in your, is in your horizontal living and, you don't, and you're not anchored vertically, this will always control you. And you, remember I talked about morphing your personality to get this to work out? Let me tell you, if this works out, this will work out. Okay, so it says, just as he chose us in him hmm, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us 
to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to him. Let me say this, my friends. The blood, say that with me, the blood. The blood establishes you in a relationship with God and with others. That's bigger than what you think it is right now. Can I tell you? I know tonight, just by the Spirit, I'm giving you seed form, seed form revelation. I know in my heart this is going to change your life. The blood establishes us in relationship with God and with others. So the Holy Spirit began to weave in my heart the truth that the blood is the basis for relationship. And that's when he, you've heard me say this this weekend, but this is where this came from. And he framed it in the kingdom. If the kingdom to me is like a jigsaw puzzle. And I used to get so confused because I would be around people that would, would have a, a hot piece. And I'm, I'm not downing anyone. I'm just telling you how I've learned and how I've, how I've tripped up, okay? Where someone would be so hot on faith. They would be so into faith and faith and faith. So I'd want to be into faith. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and, the, and, I, would, and I would so emphasize faith and then faith, wouldn't, faith would fail me at times. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It didn't work the way I thought it was going to work at times. And I know this sounds crazy, but I'm in my living room, so I'm just going to tell it all. I remember when I was really learning about faith in prison, and, and one, of the, one of my fears was getting fungus in the shower. And because it was just, you know, and, and it was the only place that I could go that was even private. So you, you, you could buy some flip-flop shoes at the commissary for 99 cents, which was I made 17 cents an hour, go home and do the math. And so I would go into the shower, and I can remember, like you would just be careful not to touch the walls. And I just, my, my goal, I know it sounds strange, but my goal was in five years when I left prison, I was not going to have fungus among us. <laughs> so... I'll never forget this day, and I was learning faith, and I was learning confession, and I felt like if I confessed it right, it would be right. Now, I know that that's not right, but that's just where I was. Does anybody, has anybody ever camped at that tent with me? I'll never forget this day. I was in the shower, and I put my towel on the rack very careful because if you hung it just right, it wouldn't hit the back of the wall. And so I'm getting ready to get in the shower, and I mean, I only cried probably twice in prison. And at that moment, the towel fell and hit the floor, and I burst into tears. I thought, I have nothing. Faith doesn't work. But I didn't realize that faith is a piece of the kingdom puzzle. So when you're learning about Christian life and, and, and Christian disciplines and life in the Spirit and relationships with God and yourself and others, just remember, sometimes God will come along and emphasize something, but you always have to put it in the framework of the kingdom not the church, but the kingdom. The church is a piece of the puzzle within the kingdom. Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, not the gospel of the church. The church is here to give expression to the kingdom, not to just build the church. So God will send you into pockets of people that are emphasizing the prophetic or emphasizing the gifts or emphasizing salvation or emphasizing. But if you can keep a kingdom framework, that's why I felt like when I was incarcerated, the Lord gave me the name of my ministry, which is kingdom living. That's my heartbeat. Because I, I had, I'd been born again when I was 12, but I still expressed the kingdom of darkness in most of the things in my attitude, in my relationship with others, even the way I saw God. Hello. But he, nobody told me I changed kingdoms when I got born again. In Colossians, I got translated 
from one kingdom to another, and I didn't realize that I needed to change cultures, that I'd been trained in this culture. So even though I was born again, I I looked many times as if I was not saved. But if I died, I'd gone to heaven. That whole gig is called sanctification. Remember what we did with Debbie last night and the inside and are you with me? Am I going too far, too fast? Is everybody okay? So what am I saying? Um, so so, So the Holy Spirit began to weave together in me the truth about the blood and relationships. And that's when he showed me. He said, Mary, the, the cornerstone of the, the four cornerstones of the kingdom are the four, are four relationships. Your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with others, and your relationship with your enemies, except for Graham Cook. And so, but now let me, let me, let me, let me teach you something tonight. Relationship and fellowship are different. This is very, very important. A lot of people get tripped up. If we don't understand that relationship and fellowship are different, we're going to fall back in the same trap as the Galatians did, which Paul addressed in Galatians 3, 1 through 4. I want to read that. It says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you not receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Basically, did you receive the Spirit because you worked for it or because you believed? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? What, what am I saying? Paul was saying to the Galatians, listen, you guys have fallen back into the... You, you got born again because you believed. Amen. That's great. But you've been bewitched because you've fallen back into the bondage of the law. You're living in the left of performance mentality, striving and working for acceptance, trying to get what only comes by faith and grace. Are you with me? They had been bewitched and started living in ways that didn't reflect the truth that relationship is based on the blood. Remember we talked about working to be accepted by God, performance mentality. That's falling back into bondage just like the Galatians did. So let me, let me, give you a, let me just give you an example that, that the Lord has given me. And it, I'm trying to make the point that relationship, relationship and fellowship are different and relationship is based on the blood. Let's say, for example, I have a son, Alex. Now, Alex has just graduated not only from college, from medical school, and he's become a surgeon Ah, that's my son, Alex. You want to see a slideshow? No. (laughs) Okay, okay. So let's say I've got a son, Alex, and he graduates um, from high school and and he becomes a car mechanic. That's my son, Alex. That's my son, Alex. Well, let's say Alex goes to school in 10th grade and he takes a gun And he shoots three of his classmates. Can I tell you something? That's my son, Alex. Wait a minute. Here's my son, Alex. 
when he's in high school, he has a sex change operation and begins to live as a girl. Can I tell you something? That's my son, Alex. What he does has not affected relationship. He's still my son. Somebody's got to hear me tonight. But what he has done, his choices affect my fellowship with him. But they don't ever affect my relationship. Let me show you what else I'm talking about. Let me make it real personal for you tonight. Your behavior, some of you are about to get set free. Your behavior never disqualifies you from relationship with God. Let me go a little deeper. You ready? Your sin never disqualifies you from relationship with God. We've been taught that sin separates from us from God in a relational way. That is not true. I'm here to make an announcement to the church tonight. That is not true. Your relationship with God is based on the blood of Jesus, not on your do. It's on his who. And, and that's why when you understand fellowship and relationship are different, you'll begin to look at passages like John 15. I'm not going to read that tonight for time's sake. John 15 is a passage about the, the, the vine, remember? And most people teach that as if you don't abide, you're going to lose relationship. And let me tell you, that's not the gospel. The blood is your basis for relationship. Abiding in John 15 is about fellowship, not relationship. Do you see the difference? Okay, let's do one more. So that makes us consider Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. It makes us take on a whole new meaning. The prodigal son is not about broken relationship. The prodigal son is about broken fellowship. The, the, the prodigal son was never not the son. Are you with me? Some of us think that we have broken relationship and because we think God relates to us this way, we relate to other people that way. And we cut off relationship with people when all that needs to be done at times is a shift in fellowship. Can I tell you those are huge different things? Because if, if Patrice does something that's so severe that my fellowship needs to be changed with her, I posture myself in a way that relationship is always open. However, fellowship might need to be adjusted. How many of you know that they'll sense that? The minute you cut off relationship, how many of you know you sense that? Because we've all felt it. But the Lord began to birth in me, Mary, this is how I relate to you. Relationship is always open with me because it's based on him, not on you. It's not on your do, it's on your who. And we've talked about do, do, I mean do, right? We've talked about that this weekend. So one of the things I like to say is we're learning fellowship disciplines. I was talking to Patrice about this in the hotel this afternoon, and she, she refers to them as relationship disciplines. I like that as well. The, the Lord had just deposited in me as, as fellowship disciplines. And, and I like that better than just the word disciplines because the word disciplines kind of implies that I must obey. Trust me, obeying the Lord is good if you understand that in a relational context. How many of you know if I'm in intimate relationship with someone, I, I want to I be in agreement with them. I want to flow with them. It's just totally different. I'm, I'm a, I, 
I'm a biblically principled person, but I exalt presence over principles. So, so for example, if you're just very principled in your orientation, you'll do and be very mechanical and you'll, and you'll be more law-oriented than relationship. That would be a good, uh, again, the, the, the book, The Birthright, would be good for you. And it's, 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 not, it's not an either-or, it's both, but what has precedence. You know, following the rules... Sometimes, like, that's one of the reasons I love coming to this church. I mean, we had some rules or we had some thoughts, if you will, of how the service would flow. Well, right before the service, I'm like, hey, Debbie, I kind of want to sit. I want to do a fireside chat, and and I really feel like this will, you know, the women will connect with the Lord. She's like, cool. I, I don't even have to hesitate to say, hey, I think this will facilitate corporate relationship. And she's like all over it. Where, you know, I do go to other churches and there's a, there's a service of order and, and I don't really make suggestions in that environment. Do you see what I'm saying? That's, that's a corporate expression, but that gives expression in our everyday lives. Does that make sense? So, um, why don't you hold that and I'll because I want to make sure I get through that. That's a great question. But let me, let me, let me, let me tie some ribbons here really quickly. Um, just remember, you want to uh, take a relational approach almost all the time. So l- let, me, let me come back to that, and I will. Um, so one of the things that I'm learning is that um, God hangs out in environments that he likes. Uh, I mean, I just learned pretty simply in prison you know, to, in, in developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit, I'd been in church all my life, but I didn't have a relationship with him. And somebody asked me again not too long ago, so what about the Holy Spirit? I'm like, you know, I kind of find out what he likes. I have a tendency to do that more, <laughs> you know, because that fellowship with him is becoming more and more precious to me. It's been always precious, but over the last probably 14 to 16 months, it's even become more precious. So it's not that he's requiring, making me demands, putting laws on me. I am so hungry for that type of intimacy, it's pretty easy to make those adjustments. Does anybody know what I'm saying? So like, you know, if you want to spend time with somebody you really like, you might get up 30 minutes early and go meet him at the gym when really you could use that 30 minutes just to try to wake up and smell the coffee. Do you know what I'm saying? It's the same with the Lord. So we're learning to make those adjustments, um, you know, because if, if I'm, um, uh, you know, this goes without saying, um, you know, fellowship with the Lord can be hindered. Relationship is never hindered. Does that help anybody tonight? And so it, it makes me understand how I develop intimacy with the Lord. You know, if, if I'm dishonoring and devaluing to my friends, and, and this used to be a problem for me because my normal in my, in my family of origin, my FOO, my family of origin, was, a, was a, a style of communication which was pretty cutting and sarcastic and devaluing. So I grew up in a greenhouse, if you will, where that was, that was my normal style of communication. And so... When I did that with you, it, it didn't mean I didn't like you. In fact, to me, because it was my normal, it was my way of, of, of trying to have relationship with you, but it didn't match the culture of the kingdom. So until someone brought that to my attention, 
And actually it came because of my public ministry. This was about 10 years ago. I was telling some stories about some friends. I mean, you're not safe with me if you're my friend. No, I'm teasing. I do ask to tell stories publicly. But um, I was telling some stories, but I had a cutting edge to it in my in my expression of that story. Do you know what I mean? And some, how many of you know speaking the truth in love is a pretty good thing? So some friends drew me aside and said, Mary, we just... We, we know you're probably unaware of the impact that you are having of how you represent those stories. I was devastated. I cried and cried and cried and cried. I was so broke. They did it in such love, but I mean, I was so blind. And I can remember that I'll never forget that, that kind of gathering where they, they had been so prayerful to bring that to my attention but they knew the principle of speaking the truth in love because they wanted the very, it wasn't a correction. How many of you know that instruction comes before correction? The Holy Spirit instructs, 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 instructs. Well, Mary, you're not getting it. Correct, correct, correct. Wow. Discipline. He disciplines those he loves. And so by the time I got incarcerated, I was in the discipline phase in many, many areas of my life. And I'm learning to respond to the Lord in instructional phases, sometimes correctional, and I'm not beyond discipline, trust me, but I'm learning to respond in these two phases as opposed to this one. Anybody help, helping anybody? So um, let me circle the wagons. So fellowship disciplines are things like uh, just doing what the Lord likes in your, in your, in your communication and your relationship with those around you. It does involve what we would call normal Christian disciplines like, you know, your, your quiet time, your prayer, meditation, serving others, fellowship with other believers, life-giving connections. Those are all wonderful things that we can adjust in our own life that enhance fellowship with the Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? So just remember, relationship is about the blood and fellowship is about learning to live in God's presence. Isn't that good? How many of you know when you're critical, you're unthankful, the presence of the Lord is, is if he's going to manifest, he will probably manifest either in an instructive or corrective way and not in that intimate way that we all long for. I don't know about you, I, I've got to... I've encountered, I mean, I, th- I feel like the Lord has manifested his presence this weekend in a tangible way. I don't know if you've encountered that or not. It's okay if you haven't. But if I don't have that on a regular basis, I go nuts. I can go, I can go weeks without Mexican food, but I cannot go without the presence of the Lord. In fact, uh, Patrice and I were at, um, at Target not too, uh, couple, uh, about a week ago, not within the last week, doesn't matter. And when we walked in, we had to go pick up a few things, and we walked in, and I, I went through. We were checking out. She was getting her stuff. I was first. I was getting my stuff, some stuff for the office. And this woman had um, a pretty um, non-receptive expression, and we were in the express aisle, and I took, I, I'm really good. I, I love to honor authority, and I think those signs in stores are authority. I'm not, I'm not legalistic about it, but when it says 12 items or less, if I have 13, I go to the other aisle. Does anybody need to write that down? <laughs> when it says handicapped parking, I don't try to limp. <laughs> You've heard all the stories of Joyce Meyer and her shopping cart, so, you know, go listen to Joyce. So, anyway, 
So here, here we are, and she, she, you know, I'm looking in the basket, and I'm like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, oh, I've got 13, and I'm pulling the basket out, and Patrice is so sweet. She's like, ah, I think we've got 13, and she goes, come on. You know, so we went ahead and went in her aisle, and, and Patrice wasn't trying to get us there. She was just counting with me. So we're going in the aisle. In fact, it really wasn't. If you want to get, if you want to get technical, it wasn't 13, because some of those things were yours. So anyway... So we're going down the aisle, and this, and, and she was just heavy. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think it was because of her shift being long. I think it was just her personhood. And and then at the end of the aisle, you know, there was a, a cup, and it had like um, a skeleton on it. It was like a Halloween cup, and that was obviously her personal cup she was drinking something out of. Isn't it fun to think of what your old you used to do? <laughs> For some reason, at that moment, I thought my old me would have gone she's into Halloween. And I would have judged the patookie out of her. I don't know what patookie was, but I would have judged it. Do you know what I'm saying? I would have judged her just because she was drinking out of a Halloween cup. And this, but this is the new me. God's making a new me. And next year I'll be a new, new me. But right now this is the new me. I I looked at her and I said, oh, great cup. She was like, yeah. What else? Did, what, what did I do next? I, I said something like, I said, um, I said, oh, can you believe it's almost Halloween? I'm like entering her world. It was like the red on the tattooed girl. You know, I didn't even realize. And the next thing I know, I mean, the whole atmosphere around the cash register changes. The kingdom of God descends. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be spectacular, but I am telling you, God showed up. By the time I'm leaving, Patrice and I are leaving, she's telling me recipes for pumpkin bread. And she's smiling and she's, you know, and I just, because I entered her world. I love that. Can I just tell you, I love that. If I don't have that in my, I love public ministry, but I can lay the microphone down tomorrow and make it. But if I don't have him in my everyday life, I'm never going to make it. I will not survive. I will not. Can I tell you, I will not. If I don't see atmospheres change in Target and I don't encounter his comfort with twosies, I am dead duck. It's It's not rocket science. It's relational. And because of the blood, you're in a relationship that cannot be broken. There is security in the blood of Jesus. I know that's controversial, but I'm preaching the gospel of the kingdom tonight. There is security in what he's done for you. He will not unbleed for you, my friends. He's not going to take it back. He will not unbleed. He will not unbleed. And some of you all are in some very uncertain relationships with loved ones, with parents, with even husbands, with children. And you wonder whether their affection is is given and withheld at their command and their demand. Let me tell you, the relationship with the Lord is not like that. There's great security in that. And the more you get secure in the blood, yes, it is still going to be painful. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking utopia. It's a good movie, but I'm not talking that. I'm not talking where things won't be painful, but the security you get in knowing that the blood 
establishes you in a relationship that cannot be broken is incredibly empowering in those other difficult relationships that are so uncertain, that are so conditional, that are so give and take. And and they have so many landmines. And you wonder if you're going to step on a landmine with them today, but you know they're your sister or they're your mother or your father or, or, or your cousin, and you need to be in relationship with them. You need to at least, your life needs to touch theirs. But let me tell you, it doesn't have to have that much power on you. You can be more secure and more at peace with a revelation that the blood is a very secure thing. Is that not good news tonight?